Tara. And I'm Austin. And we're a married couple. And we're here to lovingly snark on Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas lineup for the 2022 season. And we just finished our third weekend of movies. So we are here to talk to you today about Lights, Camera, Christmas, which is the Saturday night movie on Countdown to Christmas. But first, we did want to do a little... Week two wrap up. A little wrap up of all the movies on week two. So just as a reminder, we have a a five tier ranking system starting um, at the bottom. We have Snooze Fest. Mm -hmm. Then it goes Bad But Snarkable. Then Watchable. Then Watchable But On Purpose. And then finally, (laughs) Annoyingly Good. So let's start with our Friday night movie, which we already did our full podcast on last week. So we won't go too much into it, but it was... Cozy Christmas Inn. It was the Jodie Sweetin movie. We rated that as bad but snarkable. So, which is, oh, so snarkable. That's our favorite category. So you can listen <laughs> to our whole episode on that if you want to hear all of the many, many reasons why we rated it that. But we also had three other movies that weekend. We so sure did. What um, were they? So on Saturday, for our Countdown to Christmas lineup movie, we had Jolly Good Christmas, which was a London-based... It was our destination movie. And... um. This had Will Kemp and Rishma Shetty, and Will Kemp was not British in this movie. He is British, and they made him an American traveling to to London for this movie for no good reason. It was, yeah, there was nothing in the plot that leaned it to it. But I will say, it was a gorgeous looking movie. Like, the colors, the set, I mean, she had, like, purple was clearly her signature color, and Mm -hmm. it was beautiful on her. Um, But yeah, I don't, I still didn't understand the... It was a movie about gift giving. She was, uh, she's a professional gift shopper person at Christmas. He needed a gift for his girlfriend and the whole movie takes place in 24 hours. He manages to break up with the girlfriend and get with the new girl in 24 hours in the movie, which was impressive. It was. So how did we rate this one? We rated this one watchable on purpose. Right. We did like it. We liked the setting. We liked the charm. We liked the acting. So very classic, but well done. Let's talk about our Sunday countdown to Christmas movie, which was Ghosts of Christmas Always. And let's talk about a high note with this one. Um, Did not expect this. I really thought this is Halloween weekend. I thought this was going to be a throwaway movie. We knew it was going to be a comedy. I mean, I I did think it was going to be the best of the weekend. Mm -hmm. I honestly think I'm just like spoiler alert here, Uh guys. That this might be the best of the entire season. Wow. Uh, it's 100% annoyingly good. Yeah. Fresh concept. Um, let's maybe talk a little bit about what this movie is well, about. So it's, it's our Charles Dickens movie. It's our Christmas Carol movie of the season. They always seem to throw that in somehow. But they're focused on um, one, one of the love interests is one of the ghosts. She's the ghost of Christmas present. Right. And I think what's unique about this, too, was that, you know, it's the Dickens component, but we're seeing it from the ghost's perspective. And they have to learn how to do research on the people that they're right. going to There's go like visit. a whole team of, of ghosts, they, like in pairs of three, they do all this reconnaissance to figure out how to Scrooge, quote unquote, Scrooge somebody, mm-hmm. which means they go in, they have like 72 hours to like make them rethink their life. And there's teams of ghosts out there doing this to like grumpy old people. And in this case, they do it to a guy on it accidentally. It's the wrong it's guy. It's the wrong guy. <laughs> but actually it was the right guy all along because they're trying to set the ghost up with this guy so she can live her life back in this timeline. Yeah. So it's she's a ghost, but there's, you know, I was like, how are they gonna make this work? We we won't spoil all of that for you, but 
let's just say um, it was well done. Again, the acting was delightful. The visuals so were good. delightful. There was a lot of good comedic moments, but a lot of sweet moments. And yeah, this would be a highlight of at least this front end of the Hallmark movie season this year for yeah. sure. I mean, if you're going to pick one to watch, this would be one to do mm -hmm. that for. So. Fresh concept. It's good. But let's... um. Let's shift movies, it on back. Movies and Mystery's <laughs> not doing it so good. Oh, man. We really <sighs> like Aaron Cahill, but we had a hard time, as did many people, with Christmas Bedtime Stories. So there's two layers. Christmas Bedtime Stories was the Saturday night movie on Movies and Mysteries. Um, it's a story about a woman whose husband has gone missing in action, and they've, I guess, presumed him dead at this point. So she's basically engaged, I guess, or she gets engaged to his best friend now. Yep. And she's telling bedtime stories about dad to her daughter who is grieving still dad especially at christmas time and two layers for me on this one one the snooze fest layer yeah, yeah it's, it's, just... it's a snooze fest two the travesty um why would you do this with the ending that i think was really offensive to the troops the military people got really upset about this movie yeah i mean because she's telling these stories about the the kid's father throughout the movie she's about to get married and then he shows up like for realsies at the right. end not to spoil it but it's it's impossible to talk about it without spoiling yeah i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay we yeah. can spoil it. um i guess it was too late i should have said spoiler first but mm -hmm. oh well so he comes back with no intel no recon like it, and it's like it there were we saw a lot of reactions to this and they were predominantly negative mm -hmm. because it is such an unfair hope it really sets up people to think that this is what you hold out for, that you can never stop loving and letting go of a spouse who, in all probability, has been killed in action. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, it felt harmful. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, it also felt just like antiquated, like uh, with all the things that we're seeing Hallmark kind of loosen up about this year, this felt like 10 steps backwards. Yeah. And it also just made the military look bad. I mean, that they, they found him and then he was home within like 24 hours of when he was recovered from being a prisoner of war or wherever he was being held. It just, it didn't make anybody look good. No. And I think some people were kind of like, how did this even get made? Like it's that yeah. disrespectful. So snooze fest, but also if there was cringe. a layer for travesty <laughs> or cringe. Yeah. yeah it it takes it. me back to uh, what we were going to originally call this. Um, category which was unredeemable mm -hmm. and that, that this could fall into that for sure but we're here now to talk about the week three movies and in particular we really liked lights camera christmas so we wanted to do an episode on that yep this is the kimberly sustead movie we love kimberly sustead so austin what was the little hallmarky blurb on the website for this one. When a holiday rom-com movie shooting in her town needs a costume designer, Carrie, a local shop owner, steps into the role. While working on the movie, she rediscovers her passion for costume design and finds herself falling for Brad, the film's famous leading man. But of course, there's more to it than that. That's I mean, the official blurb. <laughs> I, I Yeah, you're going to give a summary. I will leave my commentary till after your, your full-fledged summary. My full-fledged summary. Actually, like I was surprised. Typed out like a little outline. You did. We'll see how that works, but um, <laughs> well, because this one is is you know it it's front loaded on some of the whimsy of the movie, mm -hmm. and so I want to make sure I captured some of that here. 
Love it. So, Let's listen. So this story, this movie, Lies Camera Christmas, is framed as a story within a story. So the movie opens at the premiere of a Dazzle Channel movie, My Favorite Santa. So they are doing like the Q&A with the actors and the actresses and the crew. Um, they're answering questions which frame the story of like what actually happened when they filmed the movie a year ago. So one year ago, Carrie, our lead, played by Kimberly Sested, was a struggling clothing store owner living with her mother, and she's super excited. The mother is super excited that this Dazzle Channel movie is coming to town. Um, Carrie, less so. So she's considering moving into the world of fashion design, um, or she has kind of dabbled in that world for a while, but she owns a clothing boutique. And, you know, she has multiple run-ins with, in particular, the lead of this movie, which is Brad Baxter, who's played by John Brotherton, and he is like Mr. Christmas or the King of Christmas. He is just sort of like your typical, just ostentatious, full of himself, narcissistic movie star, at least on the surface. So he and the other lead, whose name is, and I have it written down here, whose name is uh, Mariah Marquez, end up in Carrie's clothing shop and they love her clothes. So when they go back to set later that day and they find out that, oh no, our costume director is not coming. She's and we can't find anybody else. The director of the movie goes into Carrie's store and just buys all of the clothes. And he's like, by the way, you also need to come and help me get the fittings for this first day. We'll pay you whatever. So Carrie goes and she does that. And then as it continues that they're not getting anybody in this role, they end up paying Carrie at the day rate to stay on and do fittings and do all the costuming, including some original costumes for the movie. So she then becomes part of the set with no experience whatsoever. This awakens her love for fashion design. It also awakens her love for Brad Baxter. They start spending all this time together in the costuming. They go on some dates. They spend time eating food at her house. They get to know each other a little bit better. You see the softer side of Brad. You learn a little bit more about him. They end up following for each other. But they have some cross cross goals. So Carrie is finding out that she's trying to get a job in New York working in fashion. He's trying to get a job in London or England working on this movie that he really wants to work on and he wants her to come with him because he has a job for her as a costume designer on this movie which is you know exactly what she's interested in doing so she turns down the fashion job that she's offered in New York her other dream job and when she goes to tell him this he's like oh actually I changed my mind I'm not doing this movie and then she's left with nothing so she's mad at him they end up, this is not their Christmas. They go their separate ways. They don't talk for a year. And then we frame it all back up. At, we're back at the, the movie premiere. They're seeing each other again. He talks about how he did, in fact, go and do this movie. It comes out in March. She talks about what she's been doing. They make googly eyes at each other. They go to the after party and they kiss and they're magically in love again. And the end. And and that's about how fast that's, it felt at the that end. That was the fact. Yeah, it was. We will get to that in the snarks because the ending was probably the fastest ending I've ever seen in a movie. It's a little uneven, but that's the basic plot but, of the movie. It is, so it is a movie within a movie. They're filming this movie and then they're working on the set of this movie, which we thought was was pretty cool. Right. So let's start with what our sparks are for this movie, because quite honestly, I had a few. Mm -hmm. I did too. Um, I think the biggest one is the meta-ness of the Hallmark Christmas Enterprise. And that's the stick here, right? Like that's what that's what drew us in. And especially for the first 30 minutes of this, it was super delightful. It really was. I mean, like I love Kimberly Sussted. She is one of my favorites. She just has the way, like there's a realness to her. I, that's exactly the word I would use. She feels more real. Right. And, and her acting is never overly subtle or overly dramatic. 
And even our male lead, I think his character worked for this movie, which was just over the top, kind of douchey. Mm-hmm. Um, it was comedic. Like, yeah, it, it was and funny. The chemi- I did not believe the chemistry was going to I was like, work, how are they going to pull this but off? But honestly, it did. Mm-hmm. The chemistry was there. Once he like calmed down and he got a little more real, it all made sense. Um, so yeah, my, my sparks for this were the meta components of the Hallmark movie. So things like... Oh, you got the good snow team in. So you see them blowing the snow and all the fake snow. There's conversations about, you know, you just you're seeing a little bit about how the sausage is made here. Exactly. And we, as you know, live tweet these. Mm -hmm. And we were saying like, hey, Hallmark, is this kind of like a real behind the scenes? And they're like, we'll never tell. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. So um, I loved that it was on a Dazzle Plus network, which felt like (laughs) Disney Plus and streaming. Right. Um, And, you know, when you're in a Hallmark universe, anything that feels within the last five years of relevant is amazing (laughs) because they're usually not. Um, My favorite kind of behind the scenes. I mean, you see them like talking through the lines or you see them filming certain scenes and it's all like a little over top and over the top and cheesy in the movie itself. Like Mm -hmm. we all said, we would love to see my favorite Santa because it's about a bakery shop owner right it's santa falling claus in love with a who's santa kind of claus. a hip santa right he has to wear this like cool santa outfit at the end too uh but they put him in i guess he's got like a fat suit on because mm-hmm. he's santa and i guess may- maybe because the sweater doesn't fit him in the fat suit but also because it's so hot in there they like make the sweater into like a sweater dicky it's so funny to put the coat on over top of it and i was like oh and then someone said that's what they do in these movies because they're filming them in july yeah so they'll wear like just the part of the sweater that you can see it makes so much sense and but, cut the arms off but so honestly I, I always thought they were in a full i did never think sweater. about that so it's yeah. like oh this is what happens and he's got like the the, the beard. beard my favorite is so he has like a full like well-groomed tight beard Mm -hmm. and then when he's playing santa they've drawn like a white goatee on top of his beard (laughs) and it's the funniest looking thing and i loved it because it's just so cheesy this movie really gets the spirit of what like a joyful cheesy christmas movie is about because that's what they're making and then that's also then what they get to be in in making that movie and it was just really nice and like you see the bake shop and you just see the massive amount of garland and light that they put all around the pastries in the bake shop to make it look oh and then there was a scene they filmed where they couldn't get it was supposed to be at the elf workshop or something like that Mm -hmm. and they couldn't get it because the spot where they were supposed to film it which was like in a barn or something Had had a fire so they had to find a new spot so they took her store, mm-hmm. which had been emptied of all of its clothes because they bought them all for, right. the, for the movie, and they turned her store into the elf workshop. And I was like, this is what I see in these Hallmark movies where they've clearly taken some really weird location, yep. like the lobby of a bank, and they try to make it look like a department store. <laughs> and that's what they were doing that's here, exactly. and you could see it. And you, you knew that they, they were writing about that because they've seen people doing that on these Yeah, I, I, yeah, there was so much joy in being able to kind of have Hallmark make fun of itself or allow itself to be made fun of in this way. Um, We weren't laughing at them. We were laughing with them kind of vibes. It was really nice. Um, I think the only other thing that I really enjoyed, it goes back to the fake snow. There's a scene that I thought was so cute. It's Mm -hmm. like one of the cutest. So they have all this fake snow with the fake snow team. And she like throws a snowball at him. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, it's not real. She thought it was like more like the kind that looks and feels like snow versus actual fake snow. And then they do fake snow angels in the snow. 
Yeah. And it's really cute. And it just looks like they're doing snow angels and like packing peanuts. Yeah. Like you can really tell that it's doesn't move like real snow. Right. The fact that they were naming it as fake. So right. it was just like this. Uh, you can't. I don't think Hallmark can really allow many more of those because then it'll be overdone. But it's the first time I've ever seen them do that. And it was really it was a little magical moment there. And there, there were a couple other things I noted in my sparks. So one was just a really simple line. Like there were, there were several lines like this. This is just sort of representative. They said like, let's go find you something to wear to fall in love in the snow. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that again, that sort of tongue in cheek moment about um, what we're doing here. But it was said with love. Um, I liked also the romance between was it the director and the writer or the director and the producer they're both yeah they're both they're actually a co-directing team but they have different responsibilities um jill and caleb and so they were a married couple they were like a powerhouse like they clearly were you know two plus two equals three in their or no wait, one plus one equals three or two plus two equals five in their abilities together but they have broken up but they're still working on this movie together and then you can see like throughout the movie the bit is that they're you know talking to one of the underlings mm-hmm. and being like, well, you tell him that I need him to, to get me another coffee or whatever, you know, like they're not <laughs> speaking to, other, to each other, but they're right next to each other. And then by the end of the movie, they are... Giving love another chance. Giving love another chance. And he's like, yeah, you could see the chemistry between them. You knew, you knew where this was going to go. We were going to get a second love story. Yep. I have one more spark that I was thinking about that you don't normally see, which is like an average size house yes like so carrie and her mom live in like what felt like a normal person's home and it had dark wood cabinets in it it didn't have just like a giant massive white island with the white marble on top of it right it It didn't feel like a model home but it it, it, i mean it definitely still was clearly a high dollar home right not a not a you know they weren't living in a tiny little house but it didn't feel like it was a six thousand square foot house which Mm -hmm. i really appreciated because you know that's not realistic for a lot of the audience. Right. Um, and I don't think that that store is making the big bucks and they both work there. Right. So it felt a little. And there's some debt and life. all of those things. And I will say one other thing that was connected to the house that I thought was interesting is because now this movie has come into this town and is filming Christmas early. So the town's like, we're going to do Christmas earlier. Mm-hmm. And the mom pulls out all the decorations early. And Carrie goes, Mom, it's a little early for your famous Christmas explosion of decorations and so it was again that meta component and um it was still classy decorations though but it was a lot well and then my final spark because it's at the very end of the movie is that she does not get with him in in the movie setting Mm -hmm. and and, yeah they've just met they've been working together i like that they had that year to let things simmer to go do their thing, to figure out who they are. And then they come back together, even though that part, which we'll get to in the snarks is very rushed. I like that they did have that sort of breakup for an extended period of time. It was the benefit of doing it in a flashback kind of thing that it felt more real and connected uh, because there was time for them to heal and figure out how to be successful on their own. And that's not something that Hallmark usually allows your leads to to do. Because it's a big career shift for her. Mm But alas, alas, it's time for the snarks because that's our bread and butter. It is. I mean, while there were certainly some good sparks here, there were certainly some amazing snarks and some not so amazing snarks on this one. Yes. 
I mean, my my first, if we try to go as linearly as we'll see how well, good yeah, we we're not that. great at that, but let's see. <laughs> um, the, the whole premise of this is that she's just working at a clothing store in this little town and then gets and kind making of, some of her own clothes, making some of her own clothes, but gets pulled into this movie first being asked to do fittings for what was almost going to be for no money. And then she's getting like a day rate and then she gets hired on. And I had big questions about how that works. Yes. I feel like anything with a movie set, there's like unions and like, how are they able to do that? And was she getting adequately compensated? I feel like there's no way that she didn't lose out on some fair compensation with this. Right. And it, it and it kind of made me mad at the character because it was like, this guy buys out your store and then he's like, what's your return policy? And I'd be like, F you. It would be, and like someone mentioned this online, store credit is my return policy. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure, you could buy it out. But it's like at no point did I ever see her say, you know what? Can I get that in writing? Let me get a contract for this. Um, because she sells the clothes and they're like, come to a fitting. And then she just didn't advocate for herself. And she feels like a person who could do that. I didn't, I guess maybe I didn't buy that that. It kind of makes sense maybe why she's got some bills due. And yeah. you also learned that like she was in fashion school, but she didn't get into the fashion show the in the freshman, first semester. Freshman. So she just quit. So yeah. it's like some of that tracks of That's like, fair. maybe there's a reason she's not had a big yeah. fashion career. But it also played into the like, when she turns down the job offer she got. Yes. That was probably my, one of my biggest, well, there were several big snarks, but biggest snarks of the movie right i mean because like and maybe we should talk about the job process itself but the contract component was she didn't have a locked in job before she turned down the other one and that felt crazy who does that that's like 101 for job stuff or just like text him and say just confirming I'm a lock for the costume job. By the way, can a lead actor be like, hey, I'm, I have can a costume. Can bring a costumer in? And I mean, what contract does she have? I can see a lead actor being like, yeah, I can bring you on as the costumer. And then being like, oh, actually learning that they don't have any sway to do that at all. Right. Like she has no con. She's not talked to anybody. She has no contract for that. She's making a big leap mm -hmm. on that without any real evidence that there even is a job for her. Right. So little 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 rash and impulsive but along with that when she's turning down the other job so the timeline for that other job it was intense you know during the course of this movie which i don't know how long they're filming this but i have never gone from finding a job posting to getting a call for an interview to having an interview to getting the job offer as quickly as this woman does and i say Red flag. That's a red flag for this job. I mean, she probably you, dodged a bullet. You and that. I both have lived in the world of like state, like where I work in higher education, you work in the K 12 sector. So those also take forever right. to search. So, like, is this what it's like when you work in the corporate, corporate world? It's like, you know what? I just like your vibes. Come on over. But, still, but again, where's the contract? Where's the like, job offer? Yeah. Where's the paper? When can you start? Um, because what I are think my she benefits? even got an email that was just like, when can you start? Like the email that yeah. she got was really That's weird true. too. And yeah, there was no salary or benefits package or anything. Like, what are you paying me would be my follow up versus never mind. So this poor woman <laughs> is is not doing a good job of advocating for herself. No. Dodging just like grenade uh, landmines of jobs, <laughs> and I don't feel that maybe one day she'll end up in something yeah. that's secure and has written 
contract that she signed and she has a benefits package and she's being taken care of by her position. Um, but she, I'm worried she, for her for this entire movie. Yeah, for the whole movie. But then fortunately she does she does lock into working yes. with this co-director group yes. and I assume they have a contract for her. I hope so. so. Um, I hope but so. if she's just, you know, doing it on a wing and a prayer, that's a problem. Right. <laughs> um, can we talk for a minute about the just overt ad that was in this movie? So let's let's talk about that and let's talk about that as the beginning. There's an entire scene in this movie yeah. that just like if I could take a scene out of the movie and use it to just study what you and I do. It's all here <laughs> in this one like five minute long piece of the movie. So he asks her out on a date. Which is great. We love yeah. we've seen a lot of that this season actually asking people on a date, giving your intentions, taking them out. Yeah. Love it. That that's the spark. But let's talk about like when they're actually going on the date. It starts off with a like a almost 30 second Balsam Hill ad. He's getting ready for the date with his Balsam Hill Christmas tree. <laughs> I mean, it was the weird. I mean, Balsam Hill obviously is a huge sponsor of Hallmark and you get it because they have so many trees in all these movies. Mm -hmm. This one felt weird because it was so like a romantic vibe when this is a comedy. Yes. So he's preparing for this date and the date to set the scene for you is that he's taking her to the set and he's got the little Christmas tree set up and they have a little table. He's brought in some food, which we'll talk about in a minute. And he's like romancing her at this little table on the set. So he's decorating the tree in like a sexy romantic it's like soft way. lighting and like a Christmassy song and I he's know. by himself <laughs> and he's like, it starts out as it always does y'all with the Balsam Hill bag. It's like yeah, the, the tree it, comes in the bag. It says stays in focus and then it slides up. And then you and we see, see the, the ornaments in the trees. Tree. And then it's like a shot of him holding a gorgeous ornament, placing it on the tree. I know when we decorate in our house, that is not the vibe at all. No, it's usually more like chaos and scattered bits and pieces. And it's like, just oh, no, this one's so broken. romantic. <laughs> He's just by himself thinking about the love that he has for this woman. He's like, I'm going to make this tree look immaculate. Thanks. Balsam Hill. Wink. <laughs> um, but let's, let's fast forward a little bit. So they sit down for a romantic dinner on set. What's the dinner, Tara? It's a pizza. It's just, and it's a slice of pizza. It's not even like a pizza pie. It is one single slice of pizza on each of this their plates. This man is a movie star and he got her pizza for a date, but it gets better. Y'all. <laughs> She looks at this pizza and she said, is this blah, blah, blah pizza from New York, from New York. So she looks at this singular slice of pizza and knows that they're, they're in like 12 Oaks, whateverville. And she knows that this slice of pizza came from this specific pizzeria in New York City. And in fact, it did. It did which there are so many problems with this. Number one, I, I believe that you could probably say like, oh, this is a thin crust pizza or is this from a chain in the area? But like to know that it, it was from a specific pizzeria. Right. He never mentioned that he was going to do this. And she was just like, I know this smell and this look like that was so unrealistic. And the fact that they're not within like a 30 minute driving distance of right. New York. How did that pizza get there? And is it still good? That's it, my question, because that really drops down the romanticness of this date several notches. I will say one thing that was kind of nice, though, is they were drinking a beer with it versus they wine. Were. And that was, that was nice. I liked that. 
But I did not like anything else about this scene because all I thought about, so he's got this set. One, why is the set open and who let him in? Number two, there is absolutely lighting cues that are happening during this. (laughs) So there is someone who is either like talked with him about a run of show and said, now when I make this move, I want you to change it to purple and I want you to do a tight special focus on me. Spy on (laughs) on us when we're dancing. And like, because it was, it was a follow spot on them Mm -hmm. while they were dancing. So he has, I hope, paid some poor lighting person to come in and watch them make out in front of them. Well, they did make out. That's the thing. Oh, well, There's no uh, yeah. making out. Dance and make googly eyes. Googly, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Because this is our he does. It, there are several points when he, I believe, as a movie star, as a person with his personality, would have just shot his shot. He would have just kissed her. He would have made his move. He, you can see him mm-hmm. setting up the move, and he does not follow through and make it when they're in the snow. He like they like roll around on top of each other, and he does that. He's clear. He's pulling her down into mm-hmm. the snow. He's that would be a move to do a lip on lip situation and he, he just, doesn't do it dancing in front of the christmas tree lips on lips y'all it, it's he set it, it up happened. and then he just doesn't do it That's, yeah and then there was also the the music so i'm sorry i just all i could think about is like what poor crew are watching this right now and did they get fairly compensated i hope so i mean also let's talk about union stuff for a second because there's one character in this movie who i felt horrible for and it was jamie who was the, like the little intern that had to navigate between the two directors. And like, they're not talking to each other. So like, Jamie, can you please tell Jill that blah, blah, blah. Jamie, can you please tell him blah, blah, blah. And I was like, is this what this girl signed up for? This yeah. feels like a toxic movie set and someone should report it. But I feel like most movie sets probably have a lot of that stuff going on. But like, let's not condone it. <laughs> We're showing how the sausage is made, Austin. Right. And I'm saying that's a snark here because that's not how sausage should be made. All right. We will note that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm standing up for poor Jamie. No toxic work environment. Thank you. Starting now. (laughs) Taking a stand. Um, Anyway, (laughs) what other snarks did you have, Tara? I think the last of my snarks are big, overarching ones. So if you have any other little ones that you want to throw in before we talk about the big ones. I have one tiny other snark for this. So the mayor, who is like super hyped about this movie being in little old 12 Oaks, putting it on the map, which I don't know that having a Hallmark movie filmed in your town, like one of them, puts you on the map. Because like, y'all, there's 41 this season alone. Right. Nobody's. I mean, nobody's so, you know, there's that, but whatever. Um at the end, he's like, all right, well, you, when you film, you know, my favorite Santa 2, you've got to film here. And the, one of the directors is like, oh, absolutely. We want to film in 12 Oaks again. And the mayor, without consent, recorded that and played it back instantly in the conversation. He's like, ha, got you. The legally binding contract now. <laughs> I was like, um, in a lot of states, it's illegal to record people without consent. And this, it was just, it was too cringy. Well, did, someone was like, is that why they're there in the first place? Did the mayor trap them into doing the movie in their in their town yeah. for the first time? It made me not seems- have good vibes for the mayor. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk let's talk about the the big the big snarks that we have around like the pacing and the ending of this right. movie. Right. That, and that's the two categories that they fall into. It's the pacing of the movie in general and then the ending being as rushed as it mm-hmm. was. So in terms of pacing, you know, the first 30 minutes of this movie we were all in we were like this is great hallmark is snarking on itself 
y'all. Okay, so we watch these movies. They start at 8 o'clock and they end at 10. Mm-hmm. And a good mark for me is, what am I doing at 9 o'clock? Mm-hmm. Am I still going, okay, good movie. Love like, shooting off tweets. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or am I like... Right. Bad Christmas Bingo, which has like a board game, like a bingo board game, calls it, how is there already one hour left? They have like a square <laughs> for this on and, their bingo board. And this, this fell into that. Like all the charm of the whimsy kind of wore off. And once you get over the basic premise of it mm-hmm. and the the movie within a movie and all these these things that are fun, in the middle, it's still just it a Hallmark movie. It dragged. It was even like- with Kimberly Sussett at the helm. Right. And like again, she her comedic timing was great. She was wonderful to watch. But this one didn't hold up on the second viewing. It was it got boring. Right. When we first watched it, we were like, "Ooh, this could be we were debating between watchable on on purpose purpose, and then amazingly or annoyingly Annoyingly, good. And we were going to be like, you know what? This might be annoyingly good because of this premise. But then when we watched it the second time to take notes, because that's what we do for our sausage. We we do watch them a second. We we tweet them the first time and then we watch them closely the second time. it yeah. just it, and, it and I think it was in the it was half. the slow in the second half. There just wasn't enough compelling drama or fun things to hold on to. And I think what made it feel even worse was how rushed the ending was. I think right. if they had given more time for the reconciliation at the end, I think that this could have been a better movie that could have gone into the annoyingly good category. Right. But unfortunately, it was like a 30 second resolution. And I, I don't even think that's an exaggeration. Well, so think about think about how that works, y'all. Like the first 30 minutes is appropriately paced. You're giving that exposition. You're setting up this fun world. You're laughing you're like, ha ha, snow machine. Da, 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 you know, he's such a funny male lead. And then oh, Santa, <laughs> you have an hour and 28 minutes <laughs> of. Meh. And then, boom, a two-minute ending. Yeah. So when we talk about the pacing, that's what we mean. It's like, it's just uneven. You could have taken some of the hour and 28 minutes and devoted it to maybe having your ending have a little more meat to it, mm-hmm. make a little more sense, because um, it just was real uneven. Right. So we're, we the ending kind of went like this. So they're you know at the premiere that's wrapped. They're now at the wrap party. You can tell the characters are, like, hesitant to talk to each other. And then he, um, he walks away and then he like stops in his tracks and he turns around. He's like, I walked away once from you. I'm not going to do it again. And she's, he's like, and I'm sorry. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. And he's like, no, you made me this person. No, you made, it was like competitive. I'm no, I'm sorry. No, I'm yeah, sorry. It was competitive apologizing with like a yelly tone to it. It was not romantic. I did not buy into the it like. It was supposed to be comedic, but right. it didn't hit right. It didn't hit right. And it didn't hit as like, uh, I'm so desperately in love with you and I've missed you either. And then it was like, bam, we're going to kiss. In it, front of everybody. In front of everybody. And then we're going to run outside in front of the worst green screen cityscape. Like it was so poorly lit. That it looked like, I mean, it was it was the most apparent green screen I've ever yes. seen in a yes. Hallmark movie. Not ever, but it, it's up there. Top five. Because there's a lot of them. <laughs> um, and then they kiss again and it was like, what is this? And then she does the his signature wink to he- us as the audience. And I was like, oh, I mean, I get why you were doing that. Because you're like, oh, look, we're, we're nodding to this is a, a, a Christmas movie too, wink. 
But all of it just was like, where did that come from? Because one thing we left out is that in she watches one of his old movies, and yeah. in the movie, like at the end of it, he turns the camera and winks, and it's super cheesy. It's yeah. over the top. It's supposed to be a comedic moment. Um, and then so she does it at the end, which I thought was actually really funny, but it was also really weird. I think it was because of the lighting, honestly, like that whole like, it just felt like they forgot to film it and then had to do it on a budget. Right. It didn't it didn't look as nice and as, like aesthetically cohesive with the rest of the movie. And it was like so, you know, again, thinking about how you're watching this, they usually at the end will have more commercial breaks towards the ends mm -hmm. of the movies. So you've had like a commercial break. You're like, oh, how are these people ever going to work this out? And they come back and you've got five minutes left of this movie to go. And you're still at this premiere thing. You're like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? How They haven't talked to each other in a year. How are they going to get together and kiss at this point? And they, they wrap all that up. And then literally just two minutes of like, I'm sorry. Or I'm sorry. Or kiss outside cityscape kiss wink. Ah, I just yeah. like I just got whiplash. Okay, so dear listener, it's time for Will This Love Last? Tara, will it last? No. Uh, okay, obvious answer from Tara. <laughs> Tell us why. I always say no because I never think that these people are actually dealing with their conflicts and talking about things in appropriate ways. And that is not a problem that is solved by a kiss and a wink when everybody's a little wink. like drunky drunk at the end of the movie at a, at a cast party. So... I think that they have real issues. I think that, you know, the the version of Brad that we saw at the beginning of the movie has softened a little bit for her because they're all in that honeymoon period. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to come back out. And I mean, you know, they might date for a year or two, but I don't know that they'll go on to go the distance. Yeah. I also think like he's making movies. She's now in L.A. working on costume design for Hallmark or, you know, Zazzle Plus, whatever it is. Zazzle. <laughs> Dazzle, I guess. Yeah, Zazzle's that other commercial. Um, that's a real thing. Anyway, Dazzle Plus. I think their schedules are going to conflict. I think you're right. that This is maybe something that will last up to two years. But I do not think that this is a love of a lifetime situation for them. Nope. Um, title review. So for maybe the first time ever on our podcast, I don't know, go back through our archive and tell us. If I think this we've, is true. we've had one or two that we've said this. I, I think the title is great. I think it's appropriate. I don't know that I have any whimsy to add. I mean, the only other title I would go with is like my favorite Santa movie, mm. you know, or something that would include the title of the movie that they're making. But Lights, Camera, Christmas, it, it feels that's that's wraps it up for me yeah um i did like some of the fake movie titles that they gave like there's no christmas like snow christmas so i do wish maybe we had a little bit of a punnier whimsical title mm -hmm. but lights camera christmas is probably it, it, not probably it's a very fitting title i would leave it but i want those other movies to be made thank you i think that's that's <laughs> the big one we want to see all of the movies that were given the fake movie titles for and the fake movie that we watched being filmed mm -hmm. in this movie. I would watch it. And ba based mainly on their titles alone, mm -hmm. we would like to see them. Exactly. Okay, so overall sparks and snarks. How many sparks would you give this one, Tara? It's a three sparker for me. I mean, I would give it three and a half. I think it's above some of the other ones because mm -hmm. the meta-ness, there was you're so much right. joy. Right. I mean, I even might bump it to a four spark. No, you're right. I was thinking mostly of the romance, but if you think about the movie as a whole, which is actually what we mean by sparks, mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think it's a four. All right. So we're going to do four sparks. 
How many snarks? It's a four snark as well. A four snark, mm-hmm. mainly because it's just being so meta with itself, and and you have all that stuff with some the problems. balsam hill shot, and yeah. you know we we snark on the pacing and the meta ness and the mm-hmm. sausage, and yeah, it's <laughs> mm, sausage. <laughs> all right, four and four. So let's do our final tiered ranking. Where do we place this on the snark chart? I'm gonna go with watchable on purpose even with the pacing challenges and the rushed ending i still think that this is worth watching on purpose and it's because when we first watched this we were prepared to say this is annoyingly good it was Mm -hmm. on the second watch that we bumped it down so it's like maybe the first watch was annoyingly good the second watch was like watchable so that kind of puts us in the middle at a watchable Mm -hmm. on purpose this is one of the better ones of the season so far this is one that we definitely recommend you check out pay attention for the first 45 minutes work then, on your puzzle for yeah. the second half it's fine yeah like if if you're you you could go on tiktok and watch a couple of tiktoks during it and you'll catch up it'll be fine and definitely watch the end because it is you're gonna miss it if you even blink yeah or wink <laughs> you're, you're, some of it's gonna go past you missed it if you wink <laughs> um as always thank you so much for joining us uh listeners we love having you here follow us on twitter Instagram, Facebook at Hallmark Snark, and drop us a review on anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And with that, I've been Tara. I've been Austin. Merry Christmas. And happy holidays. Bye.